4: This is Vsin's Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on Vsin, the sports betting network.
5: And we begin the Football Friday edition of Big Bets here on VSN. Dave Ross and Amal Shaw coming to you from South Point Casino in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. I love this show. Well, I mean, I love the show anyway. But on Fridays, it's just 2 hours wall to wall college and NFL. And I know you have a lot of games in college that you like. By the way, did you notice last night, South Carolina State, South Carolina? I saw the, uh, yeah, it was 22
3: nothing at the break, and then in the second half, uh, uh, they they covered by a half. a half. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> they covered was...
5: 50 to 10 was the final 39 and a half, as we discussed yesterday. Uh, it gets there by the number. And by the way, you liked Utah State against BYU. Uh, never really in doubt, as they had a lead for, for a good point on the Cougs. Uh, but BYU comes back to win the game, but they don't cover the number. Yeah, I
3: thought it was a flat spot against a bad Aggies team. And uh, you have an in-state game there, and Utah State getting a big number, 26 and a half. You know, BYU is a good team, but to cover that type of number – you got to really come out and play well early on, and you got to put them away, and it's hard if the other team gets some points early. And Utah State, I think, scored the first touchdown of the game. And that helps when, yeah, you're, ta- exactly when you're taking those right. points
5: uh, on the road. So uh, they do get the cover there. Obviously, the big talk in the NFL last night, uh, Miami against Cincinnati. The Bengals go ahead and get that victory. Uh, they cover late in that game, and then the, the, the total also stays under as Miami had a chance back to it and maybe get you that over. It did not happen. But really – Obviously, all conversation today around the Dolphins is around Tua Tungavailoa, who was knocked out of the game. Very scary situation. So you see the tickets that cashed, of course, the Bengals in the four under that 49. That total kept going up, 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 up before kick. And then Teddy Bridgewater couldn't get it done for the Miami backers in that second half. Look, however you feel about Tua, whether or not he should have played, those are all great social media banner conversations. We understand that. We're not trying to be insensitive to that. But when you really look big picture coming out of this game, now the Bengals 2-2, two and two, the Dolphins 3-1. and one. But now I, I do wonder going forward, we don't know what's going to happen to Tua. We mentioned yesterday the, the Bills are about minus 250 still to win the East, and there might have been value on the Dolphins. Does this change now Not, with the uncertainty of Tua for people that might want to get involved here in the futures market in the AFC East? I don't know how you would handicap the fish going forward.
3: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I still think, though, Teddy Bridgewater is probably as good of a backup quarterback as you're going to find in the National Football League. ton of experience between his days in Minnesota and New Orleans. You know, Dave, I took the Dolphins yesterday at plus 230, and a friend of mine was saying to me, he goes, well, you might have been a little bit early. I said, yeah, that's true. But, you know, Miami kicks five field goals yesterday. You, You and I were talking before we came on air. Miami had an opportunity late in the game. They throw an interception. Had an opportunity to potentially take a lead. Now at it doesn't mean
5: fifteen with four minutes
3: to go in the game. Yeah, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to hold Joe Burrow and company. But you feel pretty good if you hold Joe Burrow and company to 20 uh, points, really for about 56 minutes of that, 57 minutes of that football game. Cincinnati ends up winning it by 12. But I-, I think Miami, at least from my perspective, they're better than I thought overall. They missed some opportunities. I know the opening drive they had an opportunity to respond, couldn't get it done. Right.
5: Um, they took. Five field goals. You know, well, you convert any of those, you, you got a chance to win. They got the one touchdown, but you're right. They, no. they, they missed a field goal with Sanders. He, oh, missed right. one. he right. also okay. misses an extra point in this game. So for, I think you're right on though, all in the fact that Miami felt like the better team for the majority of the game yeah. and a game that they did lead 15, 14 in the third quarter. The Bengals conversely now at two and two, you know, some, if you want to go glass half full, you could say they could be four and oh, Right, because it could easily have beaten the Steelers in week one. They didn't have a, a long snapper, and that's why McPherson couldn't get you the game-winning extra point in regulation. They lose that one in overtime to the Steelers. And then the Cowboy game is a game they came back and could have easily won that they also lose in a late field goal at the gun. So when you look at this, I know you and I both like the Ravens a lot in this division. We'll talk about their game against the Bills later on. But does this give some life to the Bengal backers? that's saying, all right, maybe it won't be the, the post-Super Bowl hangover. Yeah, because if Baltimore loses
3: to Buffalo on Sunday, which is a very realistic possibility, they're sitting at 2-2. Two and two. You've got a matchup coming up, I think, in two weeks between Cincinnati and Baltimore. I think the Bengals are right back in the mix. However, with that being said, I think these are two games that, if you look at it from a Cincinnati standpoint, they should have won. Yes. Right? You're at home against Miami in a short week, and then you're also playing the New York Jets. That's a team before the season started. Pretty much everybody's probably circled, said, hey, Cincinnati's going to win this game. Uh, I mean, realistically, they benefited. Look, if you're being realistic, Cincinnati probably should be sitting at 3-1. and one. Mm-hmm. Should have beaten the Steelers at home. If Dak Prescott plays uh, and is you know in a situation where he's completely healthy,
5: Maybe they don't beat Dallas, and which they did end up losing still. But I think they could have been three and one. And now three, you get uh, plus money here, uh, three to one, if you like the Bengals to win this division. The Browns same number there. Steelers already the biggest long shot at sixteen to one. The Ravens uh, plus a dollar there. Yeah, I'm not saying hop in on the Bengals, but right. because one thing that is glaring to me, watching them play, of course, watch the Cowboy game closely last night, they can't run the ball. They're yeah. they're not running the football effectively at all, and that's Mixon, P Ryan doesn't matter. Whoever they put back there, I don't know if that's an indication the offensive line just isn't good enough to get the job done. But that would be my one concern for Bengal backers going forward, even after last night's win, in which they cover the number. If they can't figure out a way to to run the ball, the defense is going to be on the field way too long. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The the running game has been anemic for this team. they
3: got to get on track if they're going to have an opportunity to be successful because no matter how effective you are in the passing game... At some point in time, you need to be able to balance it out.
5: Yeah, no question about it. But they do get the number, and they uh, cashed the the tickets last night by covering the number, and it does stay under. Josh Applebaum, great job yesterday talking about those primetime unders. It does hit again. Uh, We're going to get to uh, Rick Doc Walker is going to join the program in hour number two. Of course, Super Bowl champion with the Washington football team back in his day with Joe Gibbs. And up there in D.C. and down in Dallas, it's always Dallas week. So we'll talk with the great D.O.C. in hour number two. There is a game going on. This weekend, while some will miss it because they'll be in bed asleep. And that's the game over in London. Time change is very difficult for me and all. So I will set the alarm early to get up to make sure that I watch this jolly old, old affair over there in England. Um, the news coming out of this one, by the way, this was two and a half for Minnesota. It's going up. It's, I say it's only at three right now. Jameis Winston is doubtful yeah. to be the starting quarterback for the Saints, which would mean the Red Rifle. Andy Dalton would get the start if famous Jameis can't go. What, what would you wait if you're a Saints back? We do hold our fire on this program. I say wait if you like the Saints because once that news, if it is in fact fact, that number going to go up, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think with
3: Dalton play, uh, playing or looking like he's going to play, I think this number hits four. So if you're taking taking a look at the Saints, I would take a wait and see approach. Might go even a little bit higher because.
5: It's the question
3: is how much do people believe in the red rifle?
5: That's right. And we talked about this a lot yesterday. And I think it's really good about evaluating the backup quarterbacks with their teams. We saw it. We said it yesterday that if Tua couldn't go, because even though we're not doctors, we thought there was a good chance Teddy Bridgewater would see time. That's exactly what happened. And again, we're not saying that Jameis Winston is not going to go, but before you bet the saints realize there's a real good opportunity that Dalton is at some point, if not starting in this game, If you're a Saints backer, conversely, if you're a Vikings backer, good news on Dalvin Cook looks like he's going to be able to go uh, in this game in jolly old old England. And it looks like if you like the three, I would grab that number now to your point, because we have to assume the Purple Gang, it's going to go up. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, This team needs this
3: game. Uh, They're sitting at two and one. Really, we're fortunate to win that game against Detroit. And the Saints have had only one good quarter of football. Oof. That was in the fourth quarter against Atlanta. Otherwise, they have really struggled for 11 of 12 quarters.
5: I, I look at the total, too, which is relatively low, 41 and a half. Does it change? Because Jameis, when I think of Jameis, I think big plays, right? right. I Look, probably pro-con, right? Yeah. He can get you some good ones and give you some away. Dalton, I don't feel like that. I feel like it's going to be steady Eddie. Maybe it's a different uh, called game for the Saints, and I wonder if points become at a premium. Yeah, I would agree with you there.
3: I think if you're New Orleans, you're going to take a more conservative approach. I expect to see more screens to Alvin Kamara. He's a guy, if you can find a uh, rushing and receiving total, I would look to potentially see where that thing goes. And then uh, Dalvin Cook travel with the team. He's probably going to play for the Minnesota Vikings, so – This would be an interesting matchup here, an important game from an NFC perspective, because if the Saints can win this game, they get the head-to-head tiebreaker, and they both have the same record. And despite their rough start, and if the Buccaneers lose to the Chiefs on Sunday, they're tied, obviously, behind Tampa because they've got the head-to-head victory right now,
5: but you're right there in the mix. It's a great point, too. Before you make those future plays on one of these two teams potentially making the playoffs, because of what you just said, the Saints already with that loss to the Buccaneers, okay, already behind the eight ball in the south. Right. The Vikings did beat the Packers in week one, but I think we all feel collectively that even though that's the way it went in week one, they go back to the frozen tundra of Lambeau later on in the year. That might even out. So these two teams could see each other, not on the playing field, but certainly in the pecking order to be a wild card in the NFC. There's no question about it, and I think that's something you
3: have to take into consideration that the importance of the game. I mean, there are games sometimes you have that non-conference matchup. Yeah, nobody wants to lose any game, but sometimes certain losses are easier to stomach than other ones.
5: Yeah, I'm with you, and this one could go a long way come January is to see who might actually be in the playoffs and who might be out. I I heard you. I I came in early and listened to you with with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on the Lombardi line. It It was really good. But you were talking about the Jags and the Eagles, and you said something that really caught my attention. You said next year that you believe Trevor Lawrence and that great head of hair will be a top seven quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, Could you please expand on that? Well, I don't know what you want me to expand. There'll
1: be potentially
3: (laughs) six to eight guys, six guys. I said top seven, top top eight. I mean, maybe six to seven guys are better than him. Look, he's got immense talent. But they're starting to play much better as a collective compared to what they were doing last year. I think that's the difference with Doug Peterson compared to Urban Meyer. And this team is trending in the right direction. Now they're getting six and a half in this matchup. I thought last year the game against the Colts was really a coming out party for him in that final game of the yeah. year where the Colts needed to win it. Uh, you see this Jacksonville team. I mean, I know Justin Herbert was hurt. Rashawn Slater got hurt. But to me, when you look at this Jaguars team, they would not have been able to go on the road last year and beat the Chargers. No. And, and
5: they go out and do it in thoroughly dominating fashion. I know Jalen Hurts right now is the cat's meow. and everybody's And they should be talking about Jalen Hurts, by the way. Jalen Hurts against Lawrence in a head-to-head of who would be better and who would I want long-term as my quarterback, what a fascinating question that would be because Jalen Hurts is playing at an elite level right now. Can he continuously play at this elite level? I'm with you. I don't know if I'm taking the points in this one, but you know what I'm playing? The over, 45 and a half. I love these offenses right now, and I think you can get a lot of points in the city of Brotherly Shove come Sunday. Okay, we got much more to get to on a Football Friday edition of Big Bets. Once again, the Super Bowl champion DOC Rick Doc Walker joins us next hour. When we come back, I want to pick your brand on college football and see some of those matchups that you might like on a Saturday. Come on back, it's Big Bets here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot Or download the app today. v Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on v The Sports Betting Network.
5: Of course, we've got NHL coming up with the VEASAN NHL Season Prep Guide. We've got team previews for all 32 teams in the league, Stanley Cup playoff and point projections. Three things every new NHL bettor should know, rookies to watch, and of course, best bets for player awards. So get it now, your 2022-2023 NHL betting guide. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Back alongside a all shot, Dave Ross here. This is Big Bets here on VEASAN, and I cannot wait. Are you a hockey guy? You know, I'm not a, I'm not a huge hockey guy. I was yeah. a Buffalo Sabre fan growing up because I was in upstate New York. We used to go to the odd no longer. <laughs> and, uh, like, that was my indoctrination. And then Midland Marine Bank. Look at you. And like I'm a, I'm a huge hockey guy. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, see, I'm learning more about you. I know you don't <laughs> like coffee, but you love hockey. I, uh, Being in upstate New York, it was a big deal. In the, I'm showing my age. In the 70s, the Canadiens. Yeah. So I, I used to watch like Ken Dryden and Steve Shutt and Guy LaFleur. Larry Robinson. The, like, those were yeah. the, the, the hockey people and the influence in my life. And then the Sabres with the French connection, that was a big deal in the 80s. Of course, you know exactly what I'm referring to. So like, that's, that's where I get. Then I moved to Washington, D.C. And they had this rookie come in named Alexander Ovechkin the from great the Soviet eight. Union. Yes. And you're like, who's this guy? Unbelievable. So once then you see Ovi and you see the indoctrination of his career and some of the best goal scoring I've ever seen. And to have a bird's eye view and a first-hand view of that was pretty spectacular in D.C. So my hockey allegiances are all over the place. Do you have a squad or just who you win? Bets? I don't,
3: no, I'm just I'm, I'm a fan of the game. Yeah. Um, I'm a big Great Ovechkin team. fan, but I, I hate to say it because I think Sid the Kid's better, but I'm a big Ovi fan. Okay,
5: well, you know in D.C. that could like get you locked up. That's fine. You know what? People don't want to live in the real world. That's their problem. I will say this, and I don't want them to pull my card. I kind of agree with you. I think Sid, the kid's a better all-around player. But Ovi's been playing defense in his in his elder years. He's actually been backskating and trying to play more defense. It's a story for another day. Yeah. But, but we'll get into the NHL. And, again, you have to get the NHL guide uh, if you're going to take this seriously in your sports betting endeavors. Let's get to college football here and some games that I know that you like on the docket uh, for tonight and also for the weekend. So I want to start off with Washington against UCLA. Yeah. And we're going to have Rick Doc Walker on in hour number two, you know, fighting Bruin. Yeah. So I'm, sh- I'm not sure Doc's listening now. Do you like the fighting Chip Kellys getting the three at home? This feels like a bit of a slap in the face
3: to the powder blue UCLA. Well, you make a couple of compelling arguments in terms of the fact that the Bruins come in at 4-0, but the question you have to ask about UCLA is who have they played thus far? Mm-hmm. South Alabama went down to the wire, kicked a game-winning field goal, thirty, I think 33-32 or 32-31 in that game. They scored 45 against, UC, uh, against Colorado, 45 mm-hmm. against Bowling Green, 45 against South Alabama. They have not faced the competition that the Huskies have played so far. Washington with Michael Penix, This is a team that's going to be able to score the ball. Remember last year, these two teams played in a game. that I think there were 77 points scored between Fresno and UCLA. And the reason I bring that up was Kalen DeBoer, who's now the head coach at Washington, was the head coach at Fresno in that game. And this is going to be a high-scoring game. Dave, I like this total over. It was at 64 this morning. It has now gone to 66. Mm -hmm. And I expect that one will probably plateau somewhere around there. But the bigger thing is when you look at these two teams offensively, Washington has yielded two sacks. UCLA has yielded three sacks. You've got two very mobile quarterbacks, athletic and run. If you don't make plays when you get in that area of the quarterback, you're going to be in trouble. Penix and DTR can beat you with their legs. Mm. This should be a fun, entertaining game. This, to me, is the type of games you should have on a Friday night. Competitive, (laughs) close. It's going to come down to which team can minimize mistakes. I mean, you can say that about every game. But in this game in particular, because I think these two teams are fairly even, I'm not ready to jump
5: on the Huskies bandwagon just yet. But well, let's see what they do tonight at the Rose Bowl. Okay, I'm trying to look at the number very quickly because you mentioned Michael Penix. And I believe you said this on the network that if he was playing for Alabama, people would be talking about him for the Heisman Trophy. I'm seeing 40-1 to 1 from Michael Penix Jr. right now. Uh, is that playable to you? Or is it because it's the Pacific Northwest, because it's UW, it's not to say sleepy, but it's not going to get the same attention that you're going to get with SEC football.
3: It's not. I'm going to give you a quick stat from college football. It was the year Washington went to the Rose Bowl in 2000. Marcus Tuyasopo had a game against Stanford where he threw for 300 yards and ran for 200. Mm. Very few people have known that. Why? Because the game's in the Pacific Northwest, even though it's one of the <laughs> five best college campuses, arguably the best college football setting right. right there on Lake Washington. If you've never been and if you're a person that travels to different stadiums, this is a must go place. But I just don't think that you get the coverage that Washington would, – they would have to run the table. They have to beat Washington, Utah, and these other teams. The challenge, The schedule is too challenging. I just don't think they're going to be able to do that. I think when people take these long shots and you sit there and say, well, what about Joe Burrow? Fair enough. However, I would argue Burrow played – look at Jamar Chase and all these guys. And they still
5: had. LSU in the SEC. That's exactly right. That's exactly you get right. You the exposure. Yes. So even though Michael Penix Jr. in our estimation might be playing at a Heisman Trophy-worthy candidate yep. – 40-1, to one, you go, oh, that's that's value. It might not really be because unless they run the table in the Pac-12, they're
3: not going to get talked about as much. Great point, Dave, and I would agree with you there. 12 touchdowns, one INT so far for MP.
5: All right, so there it is. Oh, by the way, and this is something we talk about a lot. If you like the Bruins, yeah. would you eschew the three points, take the money line, again, your bankroll over a longer period of time, or do you think the three is actually a valuable I number? think in
3: a game like this, the three could be crucial. However, what I would say is this. If you're like me, I would sit and wait, and I'm hoping one of these teams jumps out to a 10-point lead. Because then I'm going to probably get somewhere, if it's Washington trailing, you might get six and a half, maybe somewhere in that range. If it's UCLA uh, that's behind, you might get eight and a half or something like that, and you have an opportunity. I still think this is going to be a tight, competitive game. And a name I didn't mention, uh, Charbonnet, uh, the running back uh, for UCLA. Watch out for him. He's had a tremendous start to the season. I think he can be very effective running the ball for the Bruins. Because the bottom line
5: there, you're, the rationale is it's going to be a shootout. Yes. And it, if the shootout doesn't sue, Correct. whoever might fall behind early doesn't mean they're going to be there falling behind late. It could be a very tight field goal type game. Absolutely. Uh, and maybe those three points could be valuable if you want to back the Bruins tonight. Uh, let's talk about AM and m and what an interesting start to their season, uh, to say the least. And now Jimbo and company are going to go down to uh, Starkville and take on Mississippi State. And the Bulldogs and Cowbells, three and a half, they're going to lay. Uh, wow, it, it, it feels like to me, and look at the total, 46 and a half, yeah, telling you that we're not expecting a ton of points in this one. Right. Uh, are you looking at the dog in this one? No chance. Yep. Are you Ooh. kidding me?
3: Uh, I and m should have lost last game. And by the way, I apologize that your ship, uh, ship sunk with mine because I know you followed me on that game. But I'll tell you what, we were on the right side we of that. Were. Arkansas our, our game. Had, was a better team. Well, they were the better team. And I don't know why KJ Jefferson decided to try and go full Marcus Allen from the three yard line on first down. Never understood that play, but give AM credit. Now you're going into Stark Vegas. This is a pretty good Mississippi State. They have not been tested the way AM has yet. Uh, but to me, I would look at Mississippi State here. I think they're the more complete team. Again, the problem that still lingers for AM is the offensive and the defensive line play. Mm-hmm. And I don't think uh, they're going to be able to get home on Will Rogers. I think they'll be able to move the ball effectively through the air. I like uh, Mississippi State here, lane three and a half. I would go up to as high as four. Uh, this is not one where I'd be as concerned. I mean, to me, I'd be concerned if it went to four and a half or something like that. I wouldn't lay it. It's by the way, uh, you know, I, the
5: handicap last week for people that had Arkansas like us. I thought was the right. Yeah. It's the right size. That doesn't always mean that that's the, the ticket's going to go your right. way. But you know, I've never seen a field goal go. I've never seen one hit the top of the crossbar. I, that still defies yeah. physics. I failed physics first and For, foremost or the goal post in high school. Me. So it just feels like that's something that would be an impossibility, that that can't happen. But it did happen. But you're right. The, the Superman leap from the three, what was that? I have no idea. But it did feel like a game that Arkansas gave away. We'll see if A&M gives this one away uh, to Mississippi State. Uh, let's talk about uh, don't turn your back in the Wolfpack, NC State <laughs> against Clemson, which is a huge, huge game in the ACC. Yeah. Right. So Clemson somehow survives Wake Forest last week and didn't cover the number. Now they're going to play seven against the Wolfpack. NC State, Dave Dorn, it feels like this could be a very interesting game. It really
3: is. And uh, I'll tell you what, Dave, I didn't play this game. not going to play it simply because I think defensively, NC State can uh, keep Clemson in check. On the flip side, I think the Tigers can do the same thing. NC State, huge revenge spot here for the Tigers. Mm. Remember, they lost a double overtime game in Raleigh last year. Now you're uh, have an opportunity at a home game in this one. This is going to be a night game down in um, – Death Valley there in Clemson, run the rock. Yeah, absolutely. Howard's rock uh, on the way in there. But I'll tell you what, the one thing to pay attention to is I have not been impressed by the NC State offense. And that's what concerns Mm -hmm. me. If you're going to back the Wolfpack in this game is Leary and company have not been as effective as I thought they might be. Um, I still think DJ Uyunglele has got an opportunity to make some mistakes. He had a throw on the second touchdown that should have been picked off by Wake Forest. That is an anemic defense. And we saw Hartman and company keep his team in the game. I know Clemson looked great offensively, but the offensive line still leaves a lot to be desired. I think there's some opportunities here for this um, for, for this NC State team to potentially uh, cover the number, but even potentially pull an upset. But I can make the same
5: argument for Clemson covering. Uh, by the way, 45 is the total after the shootout. We saw on this. Isn't Wake Forest? This is a good defense with NC State. And we know Clemson can play defense. Do you have a lean either way there? Because it it feels obviously low, but that number's there for a reason. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It does feel low.
3: The other thing is I would check the weather forecast. Okay. If we're going to have rain and wind in that area. Oh, great point. And so I think
5: that's something you'd have to take into consideration in this matchup. All right, we'll get some more college football uh, down the the road here on Big Bets, but we continue our Friday football edition of it when we come back and talk some more NFL and maybe a game that, that feels a little Maybe a dog that's got some bite down there in the ATL. We'll discuss when you come back with us right here on Big Bets on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: VCN's Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on VCN. The Sports
5: Betting Network. Welcome back. This segment of Easton Big Bets is presented by Zen Nicotine Pouches. Zen Nicotine Pouches are a fresher, simpler way to enjoy nicotine that have helped millions of people achieve lasting change by offering smoke-free and spit-free satisfaction. Zinn understands there isn't one right time to make a change. Everyone's timeline is just a little bit different. Everyone is on their own journey, but whenever you feel like you're ready to take that first step towards change, Zen will be there for you. Check out Zen nicotine pouches at Zinn.com. That's Z-Y-N.com. I'm warning, this product does contain nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Back alongside Amal Shaw, Dave Ross here with you on Big Bets on Visa. And Amal, I do not, I've uh, not tried this product. I wonder if Dan Campbell... He would love Zen nicotine pouches because that guy looks like he's got something in at dip, all times, yes. like a dip something. So, Dan, if you're ready to make a change, check out Zen nicotine pouches. Absolutely. That guy must have dipped on his honeymoon. Uh, let's get to uh, some of the NFL games that are coming up this week. And I mentioned as we were going to break, one of the dogs that might have some bite. And I didn't think I'd be saying this at week four. You know, this is perception, right? Everybody said this summer, what about the Atlanta Falcons? This is going to be one of the worst three teams possibly in the NFL. They don't look like one of the worst three teams so far in the NFL. Who, who would you say are the three worst teams in the NFL right now? Right now? Yeah. Okay, I hate to say this because we're out here in the desert. Raiders? I think you have to put the, the Raiders in that category. They, they, they look like a, a, a misfit of talented players on both sides of the ball, and they can't figure out an identity, and the head coach, who's supposed to be a genius, just can't get it done. So, like, you're zero and three. You're the last winless team in the NFL. So, I can't put you outside of that worst three category until you win a damn game. They've lost three games by 13 points. Correct.
3: Um, I, I got no qualms with that. I, I would put Seattle, Washington, ooh,
5: and probably go Houston or uh, Houston's been disappointing for me because I was, I can't believe I'm saying, yeah, that, expecting things out of Davis Mills this year. <laughs> and that is not happening. So, so your far. first problem. <laughs> Go ahead. So the Falcons, I think have been better yeah. than what people thought they would be, right? They, they were one of those teams I'm referring to that. We just all assumed would be a bottom feeder. Now they're not great, but by, by the way, this number, the Browns favored by one in the road would tell you that there's respect in the marketplace for the ATL. How do you well, handicap this one?
3: And to your point, This Falcons team has scored at least 26 points in every game, 26, 27, 27. Yep. I mean, this team has been competitive. I like the Falcons in this one. I like the home dog here. I think they get it done. If you're a teaser better, I think this is a great teaser uh, with the Atlanta Falcons here. And, again, check, you know, we said this at length all year. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you tie's push or if there's a loss, but if it ties push, I'll tell you right now, take the Falcons plus eight. Um, Got a great number there. You feel so good when you're over a touchdown. It's just mental. Right? Totally. Like, you know, yes. you're down seven, nothing. Oh, no problem. Give you up know, one. Yeah,
5: exactly. Right. And they're going to give up points. And that's the thing. And they've been really over betters have been cashing with, with certain teams. By the way, the under has been the trendy thing in the cashing in last night. There have been teams that have been playing straight overs. Yes. The Falcons are one of those teams. And by the way, we don't know about Miles Garrett, if he's going to be able to go. If right. he can't go, that's your best defensive weapon for Cleveland. I love the over right now, 47 and a half in this game too. Yeah, one of the best defensive weapons in the National Football
3: League. I'll tell you what, I'm a huge, huge Marcus Mariota fan. I got no problem with people criticizing for his lack of a uh, you know, consistent player ability mm-hmm. based on being a number two overall pick. But I'm just a big fan of the guy. I think he's a tremendous person. Uh, and I'm glad, glad to see he's doing well. So I hope this Falcons team can kind of continue in the right direction. But lose by four against the Rams. Had an opportunity last-minute drive. Ramsey with a tremendous play. Um, really should have beaten the Saints. Yep. Uh just absolutely uh, collapsed in that fourth quarter. Yeah, that false start on third and one, I think it was, or fourth mm-hmm. and one. Missed opportunity there. You you gotta win that game at home. You can't allow the Saints down two touchdowns. And then they missed the two point conversion, so they can't even tie the game up and you still give them an opportunity to come back and win.
5: Yeah, and a nice win last week in the Pacific Northwest. Not an easy place to play. No. So to get your first win on the road like that is is a pretty good start for a team that really low expectations, one and two so far. I think you're right. I think they're playable this week against the Browns in a couple different ways there. But a tease does feel like a really smart opportunity to take those seven points with the ATL. Another interesting game here is a team that's had another team's number. And the Titans always feel like they have the Colts number. Okay. Well, now that number this week was about three, three and a half for much of the week. It feels like now at three and a half. I'm curious what your thoughts on this one with another low total here of 43. So Tennessee does beat the Raiders last week, and the offense really got off on the good foot in that first half to take control of that game against LA, against Las Vegas, rather. Now they go to Indy, Indy coming off their first win of the year against the Chiefs last week. I'm still not sure what I make of the Colts, even in victory last week. I don't know that I feel better about them. I do feel better about... The head coach of Tennessee. And I look at Mike Vrabel and I go, I feel like I know what he's trying to do. Right, right? He's got an identity. The team has an identity. And really, people were starting to write obits on Derrick Henry. I think that that narr- narrative might have got blown up again last week. I see a lot of running of the football on this one. And I feel like it's going to be a, a, a pretty close game.
3: I A little bit concerned with the left side for Tennessee. No Taylor Lewan for the rest of the year. They've been running a little bit more behind Nicholas petit Frere on the right side there. Uh, you mentioned it. This team is 4-1 in their last five against this Indianapolis mm-hmm. Colts team. Last year, tight game in overtime, 34-31. And then in Nashville, they win that game 25-16. Um, for me, it's a couple of factors. Number one, now, I didn't see much of the Chiefs game. I was watching some horrific games on Sunday Sunday instead of watching that game. Mm-hmm. Watch that Carol- – you know, I was watching the Carolina Saints game. Mm-hmm. You would think you were being punished if you had to watch that game. My goodness. Uh, but – To me, I still have question marks about Matt Ryan. And you made a joke beforehand. You said, "Where's Carson Wentz going to go? Carolina because they always try to recycle quarterbacks. He's already done his stint in Indianapolis. (laughs) Done. They they keep recycling, right? Rivers, Wentz, and now Matt Ryan. I just don't think Matt Ryan's the guy. They've got to run the ball effectively with Jonathan Taylor. If Mm -hmm. they can do that, they've got a great shot. What's the number sitting at? Three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah, I, I don't want to lay three and a half with the Colts here. I, I really want to take Tennessee, but I don't have the confidence to do it. I, I am surprised
5: the number went up, uh, two, three-and-a-half, because I thought I thought for me three felt like the right number, but you're telling me Colts money's come in to, to back Indianapolis after beating Kansas City? I'm wondering if that's really the right line move. Now, again, I'm with you. I'm not laying three-and-a-half with the Colts in this one. I, I, the total of 43 is also interesting to me because you mentioned it last year, a game that turned out to be a shootout which nobody expected here. I wonder if this is going to be, again, a little bit closer to the vest. It's a really important game for both teams oh, huge. sitting at one and two. Or excuse me, the Colts have one, one and one because you keep forgetting that tie instead of a loss. That's it's a big felt, benefit. Felt like a loss. Well, this is a huge game going forward for these two teams. If if we're not fully taking Jacksonville seriously, I know you and I are, but really the pecking order in this division, this game's going to go a long way to determine it. You brought a great
3: point up. If Tennessee loses the game, they're sitting at one and three. Now the Colts are 2-1-1, and and let's say Jacksonville pulls the upset in Philadelphia. They're oh sitting at 3-1. I think it becomes very difficult for Tennessee. There's still a long way to go, and you have the head-to-head matchup still. Mm. You'd have another game against the Colts. But to be able to, to uh, overtake two teams becomes a little bit more challenging. I think this is an important game for the Colts because they're at home. Mm-hmm. They lost a division game to Houston and to Jacksonville. You cannot start out 0-3 in the division, Dave. At well, best, you're going to be 3-3. Ty. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Thank you. You <laughs> I know I what?
5: It just felt like a loss. No, no it, it did. No, because like L-
3: Lovey Smith mismanaged the clock. There was about
5: 40 seconds remaining. 46- yeah, they, they, they punted. Well, or they just—they they basically did not attempt to try to win the game. Well, I said in the third quarter, when you looked at the clock,
3: there was about 48 seconds remaining in the third quarter. I said, I would run the ball here. Mm-hmm. And I would take this play, because by the time it would have been snapped, it would have been around 42, 43. You run the ball. You take it into the fourth quarter after the play is done. And you start moving that clock at this point in time with a 20 to three lead. You are playing the clock more than you are the opponent. Yes. Just on simple math alone, right? Every play uh, play clock is up to 40 seconds. You snap it at 38. You can take off a minute 54 off the clock just if you're snapping the ball at two. If you assume six seconds per play, add in 18 seconds right there. So you're talking at two minutes and 12 seconds per three downs. And if you have three possessions, you're taking off six
5: minutes and 36 seconds without moving the ball one yard. By the way. My first rule when I become NFL commissioner, no ties. There will not be. So we can't screw that up. Oh, they're oh and two. No, because there would be no ties in my world. It is such a traversy mockery that the NFL is gonna play 60 minutes, 70 minutes, and not have a winner. It is an absolute joke. And I, you know, we're talking about player safety too, a tonga vailoa, and like I you know, the league's so concerned about safety. They make you play three days after a car crash because every week's a car crash in the NFL. Like this is this is a joke that we're hiding behind safety to shorten the overtime to ten minutes in an overtime period and have the prospect of ties. It is ridiculous. You done, counselor? Yes. I.
3: You know what? I like your argument. However, I disagree. What? I'm going to tell you why. First of all, I think a team should use a tie to its advantage, like the Colts. I'm sure uh, because it's not having that loss is huge for them. The other thing is, though, I think it brings strategy into the overtime session. You see teams working the clock, different situations where you've got to be. You know, um, the Steelers did a tremendous job in the overtime against uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Right. Um, where they threw the ball out of bounds. Uh, there was eight seconds remaining, and then they threw it away. It was a great play because you don't want to be in a scenario where if you miss, you give the Bengals a chance for a Hail Mary. Those are the little things where good coaches like a Tomlin, a Harbaugh, a Belichick are going to capitalize on it. And I can't believe I said Tomlin because so many times he mismanages the clock. All I'm saying is, though, Dave, I think there's a lot more strategy that goes into the overtime based on where you are on the field. You're not going to take unnecessary risks because you could potentially get out of there with a the tie.
5: I want to know who is the first person to say that a tie is like kissing your sister. Who the hell came up with it's that? It's the dumbest analogy I've ever heard. How, how is that? Wait, that, that person explain scored to an, me what that rationale is. They
3: scored a 200 on the SAT verbal. They put their name
5: on it. I love my sisters. It's not equivalent to an NFL tie when we come back more nfl on the friday edition of big bets rolls on on visa the sports betting network
2: i'm katia adler host of the global story over the last 25 years i've covered conflicts in the middle east political and economic crises in europe drug cartels in mexico
4: VCN's Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
5: kick off the football season with bet rivers online sportsbook bet rivers is your go-to sportsbook for every line boost and special lace it up for week 4 with bet rivers parlay insurance and touchdown insurance offers each and every sunday all season long build a parlay of at least four legs if it loses get your stake back as a free bet up to $25 Wage on any player to score the first touchdown on sunday night football get your money back as a free bet if they score at any time during the game head to betrivers.com or download the bet rivers app it is a whole new ball game Malshaw, Dave Ross here at his Big Bets each and every hour here on the network. We like to give out pro tips. And I thought we came across one in our conversation about Michael Penix Jr. And what that is, is even though we think at 40-1, to logically he would make sense as a long shot to win the Heisman Trophy. You're laughing at something that just happened in the Nats game. We'll get to that in a second. But the problem with betting Michael Penix Jr. at 40-1 to is visibility. Because he's just, look, you're playing primarily in the Pac- Pac-12 network. We, in Vegas, we can't even see the games. So literally voters on a voted-on award might not have the same visibility of a Michael Penix Jr. than they would with anybody, say, in the SEC.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Where,
5: where you're going to get all this massive television exposure. So even though the kid himself, Michael Penix Jr., could be very worthy of being in the real conversation, it's going to be harder, all because the exposure that he gets is just not going to be comparable to what you're getting in the SEC in the Big 12 and the Big 10.
3: Yeah, absolutely right. You think about it, Marcus Mariota, the last guy in uh, the Pac-12 to win the Heisman. Uh, before that, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart, Carson Palmer. You know what they all have in common? They played in the second biggest media market in the country, in mm-hmm. Los Angeles. Um, so it, it's been tough. You look at before that, it was Rashawn Salam, obviously Colorado coming in afterwards, but back then it was the Big 8, so... Mm-hmm. It's, it's been USC five times when schools were in the Pac-12 in Oregon prior to that, and then you got to go all the way back to Stanford. It, look, Terry Baker in 62 at Oregon State, um, and then Jim Plunkett in 70 at Stanford, and then, of course, Mariota at Oregon in 14. Remember that 14 Oregon team played for the national championship against Ohio visibility. State? Absolutely, visibility. You're absolutely right. And so uh, I, I think that's a key factor in it, and Jim Plunkett was the first overall pick. But a guy like Michael Penix, he's not on anybody's radar for the draft. So I think it becomes difficult to back guys. Right now on the list, you see C.J. Stroud plus 140. I think that's way too short. Bryce Young plus 350. He is a guy I would look at a plus 350. But here's the challenge for him. Are the voters going to want to give it to him for a second consecutive year? He'd have to have such an elite year right. to be able to get it. Caleb Williams dropped a little bit of 6-1 to one simply because did not have a great offensive game no. against Oregon State. I think just one touchdown pass. The guy that's interesting that could genuinely make some noise if his team can continue to play this level is Hendon Hooker Ooh. from Tennessee. Sixteen to one, they've got a game against Georgia. They got the third Saturday in October. If you're not from the South or if you don't, if you're not familiar with it, that's Alabama Saturday for Tennessee. And so th- it's going to be a great opportunity against a team like that. And then Stetson Bennett oh. for the defending national champions who somehow is ranked fifth right now. I think this is why I don't like the preseason odds and the, and the prognostications because a guy like Stetson Bennett to me deserves as much consideration as my guy, CJ Stroud or Bryce Young or somebody like that it, I, I don't understand why he's being downgraded. What exactly has he done that does not justify him being in the
5: conversation that Stroud or Young deserve to be. It's a great points. just narrative-driven, right? Yeah. And so the narrative is, oh, he just he isn't that good. They had to change quarterbacks. They didn't do that. They win the national championship. But you mentioned Hendon Hooker, and it gets back to the pro tip, visibility. He's going to have big stages. And I'm sorry, Michael Penix Jr. is just not going to get the same amount of stages that even a guy like Hennon Hooker is going to get at Tennessee. Well, think about this. Tennessee still has to play the number one and number
3: two teams in the country. It doesn't get any bigger than that. You can beat those teams. You're, you're going to be on your way to New York. That's how Johnny Manziel won it. Absolutely right. There he threw is. that ball up into triple coverage and got lucky. He
5: sure did Mike Evans, I believe, <laughs> yeah, came down That's exactly right. <laughs> so, again, that is the pro tip for this hour here. Look at visibility before you bet on some of those longer odds uh, in the Heisman Trophy watch. And again, I'm going to get one of those out each and every hour here across the network. That means 20 of those per day here across the, the VEASAN spectrum. And again, you can go to, a, as a VEASAN pro subscriber, uh, you can get those and access them either by show or by sport. Uh, let's get back to the NFL. But before that, you were laughing. What happened in the Nationals games that made, that made you chuckle?
3: A- Abrams gets a ground ball. And he, I think it was Castellanos that was running up the line. It was. He had plenty of time to get him. I'm going to tell you right now, Harold Carmichael couldn't have caught this oh, ball. wow. I mean, it,
5: Harold Carmichael, by the way, was a 6'7 receiver for the Eagles.
3: For yeah. those that don't know. Uh, thank you. Uh, and Probably a lot of people don't because he, he's so much older. I think he's in the Hall of Fame. He just got in. Should he be just in the Hall, Hall of got, Fame. No, he got in. He just okay. got in. And, um, you know, he, the first baseman did not even attempt to leap. That tells you all you need to know. <laughs>
5: no chance. No chance. I'm not stands. climbing the ladder for that. Uh, back to the NFL here, Amal. And the Chargers now are an interesting case going forward, to yeah. say the least. And now it's one of those games that you go, well, they, they got to beat the Texans, right? Because it's the Texans. But I still don't know what the status is. We don't play doctor. Five and a half is the number now on the road down there deep in the heart of the great state of Texas. Totals at 45. Very well said. <laughs> what do you make of this game here? And again, all eyes are going to be on Justin Herbert and that rib cage and the, the, the flat jacket that he tried to play with last week that didn't go very well. You know, Dave, I think it's hard to quantify. And I think the one thing you have to look at when you look
3: at this Chargers team, no Bosa on the other side. (laughs) How does Mack perform without Bosa? Because you can sit there and criticize Bosa for all the injuries he's had, but he's been a tremendous talent. That's why the Chargers paid him accordingly. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, I think Rashawn Slater is a top five, top six offensive tackle. To lose him on the blind side of Justin Herbert, who's already dealing with a considerable injury, I don't know if I can back this Chargers team. I think it has a profound impact across the board. And then we talked about it at length yesterday, and a guy that you and I are high on, Keenan Allen. Mm -hmm. You got an injury with Keenan Allen. Now how do you correct that? I mean, to me, it's a real challenge for this team. I'm not interested in laying five and a half with the Chargers. I got to take a wait-and-see approach with them. I would be more likely to back the Texans in this one, and I'd probably take a shot. If it gets to six, I'll probably take the Texans because I think they're competitive at home.
5: I, I'm with you on that, and I actually think it might be one of those teasable spots here if you yes. like the Texans. Yes. We are seeing Matt Santos, our producer, who let us know some sixes out there in the marketplace as well. So maybe tease that up to 12 yeah. with the Texans. I kind of like that avenue of approach, but I'm with you. Right now, as it stands today, And we keep talking about injuries, this is the way of the NFL people. So before you hop in on these games, know who's banged. Banged up. And, and Slater's a great point at left tackle. One of the best young left tackles in the game. Herbert's already hurt. And now you lose your protector. That is not a good recipe uh, for any game in the NFL. So before you hop on the Chargers, you might want to think about that uh, in, before you put it into your plays. A dog game of the week involves the team that's two and one. That's the G men yep. in New York. If you watch them Monday night against America's team, the Cowboys, you're probably going, wow, how, how did they win the first two? Now they're 2-1 and one and the Bears come to town. The total, and again, what decade is this? It's 39 and a half 39 and a half But the G-men look inept. Yeah, The Bears looked inept offensively. Is it as simple as that if you're looking at, at the uh, total versus the side? I, I think uh, this is a game you'd look towards the
3: under. Look, I don't think the Bears can put up the points that the Cowboys did. Um, Justin Fields does not instill any confidence in the Bears, the offensive uh, team, or the coaching staff. Uh, The one thing that concerns me from a Giants perspective, though, their run defense is bad. Your Dallas Cowboys ran all over them. Mm -hmm. I mean, it looked like Zeke in his first two years in the league. Great. And and Pollard was great. I mean, Zeke actually had like a 27-yard run. you believe that? I I thought it was practice he ran that long. (laughs) I thought it was back in the last day. Yeah, exactly. Um, But to me, that's a concern from a Giants perspective. And then also from a Giants offensive standpoint, Here are the uh, receivers that are out, or at least questionable. Okay, Sterling Shepard, torn ACL. Unfortunately, he's gone for the year. Uh, Kadarius Toney, questionable with a hamstring. You look at Wandale Robinson, questionable right now with a knee issue. You've got these guys on this receiving core that are injured. This is a big deal right now when you look at it from a uh, giant standpoint. Leonard Williams also. Mm -hmm. Remember, he just missed his first game in eight years. That was a big difference, too. Big difference. They can't stop the run. Now, we did see uh, the kid out of Iowa State for the Bears get banged up, um, drawing a blank on his name. Oh, David Montgomery. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And um, But, you know, you look at Herbert's done a nice job filling in. I think he's a Virginia Tech guy. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, to me, I think there's some opportunities for the Bears to be able to run the ball effectively here. I am not interested in taking the Giants. I really thought, Dave, i got to tell you, coming in before the Cowboys game, I thought, oh, Giants are going to be a great play here. And – I am very cautious, even though the Bears' offense has been ept, inept. I would look at the under
5: 39.5, or I would look at the Bears. And by the way, uh, get the Hoko high with Herbert <laughs> filling in. I, I, I mentioned earlier in the program that I would make the Raiders in my worst three teams. We forgot 0-3. about the Bears? These two teams are 2-1. The Bears are 2-1, and, and the G-Men are 2-1. I might take the Raiders at 0-3 oh over both these teams that are
3: 2-1. This is complete hyperbole, but don't you think the Bears might be the worst 2-1 team in the history of football? They're
5: god-awful, and they're 2-1. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it is amazing. There are catching points against another team that will find out just how good the Giants are. But I'm right there with you. It really would be hard uh, to back that 39-and-a-half again. Even though it's double-dog daring you to take the over, Amal's not taking the bait, would lean under if you had to play. I would, yeah. I think it's going to be a struggle.
3: Look, in the Dallas game, I thought the Cowboys had the capability of beating you through the air. The Bears just don't have that capability.
5: Yeah, I'm right there with you. This just feels like a dog day afternoon uh, in the Meadowlands. What exit in New Jersey? When we come back, we'll keep going with the NFL here as we continue our Football Friday edition of Big Bets here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.